Welcome to the Bucket Problem, Episode 6. I am your host, Ace Ambender. We are brought to you, as always, by Homefield Apparel. I will get it in right now. Use the promo code BUCKETPROBLEM at HomeFieldApparel.com for 15% off your first order. We have the whole crew here today. It's it's kind of like a ska horn section, if uh, if we're going to you know tie it into the intro song here. It feels like there's a... <laughs> You're never quite sure who's going to be on at any one moment. You're not. You're not quite sure who's going to be singing. But uh, you know, it's totally disjointed. <laughs> it's it's very <laughs> kind of all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's happening, and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, we are first going to run down the NBA draft and free agency happenings uh, related to Michigan. That includes Franz Wagner going to Orlando with the eighth pick. Isaiah Livers staying home in Detroit, and uh, Duncan Robinson and Tim Hardaway Jr. securing some big free agency bags. We will also run down uh, the Big Ten players who went in the draft very quickly and also who didn't go, which was a little interesting, before getting into uh, some fall camp bingo, which uh, Dan has very kindly put together for us. Uh, And, yeah, um, we will go from there. So, uh, First of all, welcome everybody. Alex, uh, you're first up because we are starting off with hoops. Um, first of all, Franz Wagner to Orlando with the eighth pick. Uh, on the high end, uh, not quite the highest end of his draft range since some people were thinking he might go to Golden State at number seven, but a really interesting fit, I would say, with the Magic, and he is definitely going to get opportunity to show off uh what he's got yeah he could potentially slot into a starting role there right away and yeah to your point the the pre-draft process that wagner and his agents settled on indicated that they knew that they would be selected in the lottery a lot of people had them potentially had him going to golden state which they drafted a, a project who went um through the g league route and Wagner wound up in Orlando. Um, he is now an employee of the DeVos family. He will be sent, uh, selling a lot of beauty products to his friends and family um, <laughs> as he starts out his new career. And yeah, I'm excited to see what he looks like on a team with several clones of him. Um, the Magic love to have uh, super long, athletic, defensive-oriented players that can't really create their own offense. So he very likely will be on a team that is great defensively, but struggles to score on offense. Which means they might even try to use him to create some offense, even though that's not necessarily how he projected as an NBA player. So that'll be, I mean, I think of all the places that he could land, it was one of the more interesting just because he's going to get a lot of opportunity. He's on a team that, like you said, values players like him. Uh, Orlando was very much the expected destination for Scotty Barnes before Toronto took him off the board a pick before uh, the Magic went with their first uh, pick uh, at number five when they took Jalen Suggs. But And that was a great pick for them, and I think that really helps the direction of their franchise in general. Like A lot of people had Scotty Barnes going to Orlando, which, if you remember Michigan's game against Florida State in the NCAA tournament, Scotty Barnes also long athletic defensively oriented player who struggles to score on offense and Suggs. If you watch any college basketball, you heard, you heard talking heads talk about Gonzaga and 
he was a great player. People expected him to go off the board before five, but it's good for Franz that he you know, has a franchise point guard to to grow alongside as they start their career selling, you know, off-brand energy drinks and nutritional supplements, things things of that nature. Hey, when when you're a first-round pick, you get to start off near the top of the pyramid, and and that's really what matters. <laughs> but uh, and and that uh, getting Suggs getting in there really helped. Uh, really helped Wagner in terms of, I, I'm not sure they would have drafted Barnes and Wagner. Uh, so, and I'll just say right now, I really did not Wagner to go to the Kings because that is just a tire fire of an NBA franchise. And the Magic at least have a direction, I would say. It is funny that you say that because a friend of mine actually worked for the Magic and let's just say that some organizations have a culture of winning and some don't. And, you know, if you look at the standings over the last however many years since Dwight Howard left Orlando, uh, the culture is not super great, but you know, the eternal optimist in me thinks that Franz can help bring glory to uh, Orlando. I, the, the Eastern Florida area. I don't know. Are you telling me that the DeVos family is selling something that may not be all it's cracked up to be? Yeah, I mean, I personally can't speak ill of the DeVos family because I became my own boss and have been pulling in six figures. And if you guys want uh, an excellent business (laughs) opportunity, talk to me after the show. But I, yeah, I, I don't know. The DeVos family, their vision for management and how they would like to rule their kingdom you, you take a look at the situation down in Orlando, and it's probably one of the five worst NBA franchises of the last decade or so. But uh, like you said, better than the Kings, and Franz was not going to fall past the Kings at nine. So let's get him a uh, Mickey Mouse hat. Uh, no state income tax for Franz. That's mm-hmm. another That's another thing that I got to point out. Um, or Duncan Robinson, which congrats to Duncan on his big bag. We'll talk about that later, I think. Yes, we will dive into that. Yeah, but I don't know. Franz, I would have liked to see him on Golden State. That would have been my preference, but they took Kaminga, and it'll be interesting to see how, how it works out for Franz. Hopefully, the Magic are inclined to keep Mo around. You know, he he spent the end of last year on the Magic. And and kind of thrived on a very much tanking team, but still, you know, it seems like he gave him enough reason to hopefully think about bringing him back, especially now that his brother is on the team. Yeah, well, I mean, Milwaukee signed Giannis's brother, so I don't understand why Orlando can't do the same for Franz. Exactly. <laughs> yep, the, I see those as very similar situations. Yeah, com- comparable <laughs> scenarios for sure. I think I think that's a pretty realistic prognostication for Franz. If he really is 6'11", you know, just the strength and size and athleticism, I, it really translates. He's he's also an immigrant, uh, similar, to, similar to Giannis. There are a lot of parallels. Many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see Franz as a cross between Dirk and Giannis, personally. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm I'm rooting really hard for Franz just because I feel like the one thing that Michigan has been missing um, during this unprecedented run of, you know, basketball success over the past 10 years is a true, like, bona fide NBA star. I feel like, you know, we, we've had, I would say the closest they've had is Karis LeVert, Um and they, they, with with how many great teams Michigan has had and how many draft picks they've put in the NBA, I, I really do just hope we get, you know, during, you know, if, if not Franz, you know, someone that Juwan uh, produces just a, a true like, you know, top 
you know, 15 player in the league that like can really be like the, the face of the program in the NBA. Well, with Caleb Houston and Musa Diabate coming through, those are those are two guys that are expected to go pretty high whenever they uh, they decide to enter the NBA draft, which, uh, especially in Houston's case, uh, appears to be almost certainly after this season. Yeah, he's getting mocked in the lottery like you posted on thebucketproblem.com today, and he looked good with Canada. So I agree with you, Dan. It would be nice. You know, we have some... We've produced, yeah, Karis, who's the face of the franchise in Indiana, but or Indianapolis, Indiana. I don't know the Pacers, whatever. Uh, but <laughs> it's in Indiana. Beyond, who cares? <laughs> yeah, beyond beyond that, we have Tim Hardaway Jr., who's basically the Robin to Luka Doncic's Batman, which I guess isn't the worst thing. A very well paid Robin. Yeah, well paid Robin. Yeah, um, and then Duncan Robinson, which you know he's kind of a a role player, sharpshooter off the bench, basically one of the best of his archetype, but yeah, not a star or, uh, you know, really the, the face of that franchise. So yeah, it could be Houston, could be Giabate, could be Franz. Um, you never know if Jet Howard continues to develop. He has the, the bloodlines for it for sure. But yeah, Michigan historically has had some, some NBA talent from Rudy Tomjanovich to Cassie Russell to Chris Weber and, yeah, getting a, a true star in there would be nice. So skip, hopefully skip it's Franz. Right hopefully, Glenn Rice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Glenn Rice. I I am I got to brush up on my history a little bit. I was not a history major like you, Ace. Na- national so. champion, man. National I champion. I know. I know. Yeah. He uh, an NBA champion too, right? Or am I? Am I India, uh, I believe right? he won one with the Lakers. That was um. what I thought, but yeah. So total aside, but I did not realize like the other until like the other day that. The only NCAA title that Michigan has won happened after a coach was fired, and then they went and they went on and won the the tournament. Is that am I making that up or is that no? Like, no you're just showing your youth, and that's it, literally really what happened. Appreciate it. Uh, that's that is un. I mean, I'm sorry. I know it's a total aside, but that is like unthinkable in today's game. Yes, it is. It is extremely wild at this point to think about the idea that a coach for a national championship quality Michigan team would agree to leave for Arizona State midway through the season and expect to be able to coach out the season. Yeah, <laughs> I can't really fathom a, a coach of a three-seed Big Ten team deciding to take accept another job, think that he's going to coach out the, the postseason, and then, yeah, the lead assistant steps up, wins the national title, keeps the job, recruits the best recruiting class in maybe college basketball history, uh, pretty cr- pretty crazy stuff. You know, I, I want to explore this aside now. Which Big Ten coach do we think would be the most likely of the current crop to do this? Ooh, good question. Because now that Richard Pitino's gone, I don't have a good answer. Well, well and Richard Pitino's not getting his team to a three seed. No, that's, <laughs> that's that is thing. very true. It was only like that he would pull the snake move, yeah. not that he would get them to that to that point. I can't even, I mean, I can't even fathom, like, that happening. Like, it's like, it's like, even with the hypothetical, I mean, like, Mark Turgeon, maybe, just because, like, he hates Maryland so much as, like, an institution <laughs> at this point, because the, all of his fans, all of their fans want to, like, you know. Yeah, Brad gut, Underwood does yeah, seem my to have kind Underwood. of a weird, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got kind of an odd relationship with uh, his team, it seems, and possibly with Illinois. Very bad vibes. Yeah, and in a pretty explosive temperament, it seems at times. So maybe maybe he would be the one. Um, 
now that we have just uh, taken I'm so a, sorry. <laughs> a little side route, uh, but no, this is good. This was, uh, you know, educational for some of our long, younger listeners and for most of them, uh, extremely well-worn territory, but that's fine. You know, that happened before I was born. So you, you guys are killing me right now. I already have white hairs in my beard because of pandemic stress. We don't, we don't need to add to this. Um, so I am going to go right through and talk about someone I watched play in high school in person. Uh, Isaiah Livers got drafted 42nd uh, by the Detroit Pistons. This was, I believe, ten and a half spots higher than his Vegas projection. I may have uh, placed a wager on him to go before that and hit it. Uh, don't ask about my other bets. Thank you. Um, but uh, this is this is obviously like awesome as a Pistons fan. Um, however lapsed I may be in terms of actually actively watching Pistons games in the last few years. Um, but for a kid from Kalamazoo Central who chose to stay in state as a relatively well-regarded prospect and then get picked by the hometown team and get picked onto a team that just added the number one overall pick in Kate Cunningham and definitely has some room for livers to crack the rotation on the wing, uh, depending on how... I mean, I don't think the Pistons are going to be very active in free agency going forward now that they have tied up most of their cap space in Kelly Olenek, which I actually like despite how that last sentence sounded. It's a, it's a good developmental move. You space the floor for the younger players and you're planning on being bad for at least another year or two. So you might as well just pay a, you know, goofy white guy center, just like you did with Mason Plumley. Yeah. Lean into the tank. That's, that's how you got to do it. And yeah, that's uh that's never gone wrong for anyone. Yeah. I'm sorry, we've got a Philly fan here. He, he doesn't understand that these things can actually go well if yeah, you don't the, lean into it way too hard. <laughs> way, way, way too hard. The Pistons drafted Ben Simmons who can shoot. It's great. <laughs> I mean, that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, look, Ben Simmons can shoot. I don't know if you've seen the offseason videos we've put putting out this uh, this year, but I mean, I think this is the year he really cracks it. He, he looks like he's really got it together. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, you're already skipping ahead to the Michigan fall camp segment, dude. <laughs> <laughs> They're just around the corner. He's having a promising camp. <laughs> we're, we're just cruising on past this. Uh, Livers does, uh, like I said, have a, a decent amount of opportunity here. Not not quite as much as Wagner, where Wagner, I mean, also because of his draft position, is a relatively likely starter or six-man uh, the Pistons had Sadiq Bey pan out as a second-round pick last year. He's probably the starting small forward. You got Jeremy Grant uh, paid pretty well on the wing. But behind them, I mean, Sekou Dumboya just got sent back to Summer League for the third year in a row, which, I mean, I know he was the youngest guy in his draft, but that's still not necessarily what you want to see. And the other... Uh, kind of small forward, power forward type on the roster under contract right now is uh, the perpetually disappointing Josh Jackson. So uh, Livers has a chance, I would say, to, to, I mean, I would say a pretty good chance to get some minutes while the Pistons, at the very least, see what he's about, because especially now that they have a new front office, they're not super tied to players brought in under the old regime so Duboya it seems like was kind of falling out of favor already last year and the summer league appointment is not super promising for him and then I, I mean 
there's some opportunity and the the Pistons just last year had two second round picks play very well in Bay and Isaiah Stewart. So Well, Isaiah Stewart, I think and Sadiq Bay might have been both late first round picks. You um, might be right. Sorry. Two yeah, later picks. The Pistons were a horrible shooting team last year, so livers can stick stick around based on that alone, I think. Um, just in terms of, you know, his value as a prospect. You know, he's a four-year player. He has some injury concerns. He's a good vertical athlete, but not necessarily that laterally quick. Like, I don't think you can expect him to guard down a few positions and take care of, you know, lead ball handlers, point guards defensively. But he's a great shooter, a great shooter off movement, great spot-up shooter. And if he can connect on 40% of his threes at the next level, he'll carve out a good role, um, especially because he is a pretty decent defensive player. And I think he has some potential to chip in and small ball lineups against bigger players. Um, you know, he's a pretty strong, well-built guy. But, yeah, like you said, the Pistons have some availability on the wing and between, yeah, the guys that were getting minutes in that role last year and Dumbuya and Josh Jackson, I think Livers could could pass those guys pretty quick. Plus, I do think, you know, with Detroit, they that was their second pick of the draft and they're still in talent acquisition mode. So if he connects, that's, you know, a, another good young shooter to pair with Sadiq Bey. And, you know, you're, you're ultimately building around Cunningham, which... I think they're just trying to get the best players available at this point. They're not worried about how certain guys are going to fit, but Livers has that flexibility because he's such a good, such a great shooter. Yeah, I think we sometimes underestimate just how good Livers was as a shooter over his career, or at least don't don't really talk about it from the perspective of how well it could translate to the NBA. Because you know, while mostly shooting, shooting catch and shoot, shoot stuff. He was 41% from beyond the arc over four years at Michigan. He shot 86% from the line, uh, and he was efficient inside the arc on increasingly more difficult attempts as his career went on. So I, I just think as I think he fits well into a team defensive scheme, even if, like you said, he might not, you know, you might not want him switching on to, uh, you know, high-level point guards or something like that. But I, I think... First of all, he's shown great ability on as a recovery defender, so that that kind of helps in that regard. And then you've got him providing hopefully a, a, a fair amount on the offensive end. I mean, uh, we've seen what Duncan Robinson can do with elite shooting skills and uh, limited defensive skill set. Livers has a bigger defensive skill set and will not be as good of a shooter because Duncan Robinson is on track to maybe be the greatest to ever do it. But uh, which. Uh, I guess we'll get into next year because um, we've talked enough, I think, about how, how Livers is a nice fit for the Pistons. Um, very, very quickly, uh, before I move on to free agency, um, Mike Smith and uh, Sean D. Brown both uh, at least have a chance to catch on with rosters. Smith got a summer league deal, deal with the Milwaukee Bucks, and Brown signed a uh, undrafted free agent deal with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, two good teams that uh, are both gonna have to jump through some hoops to fill in the back end of their roster especially the Lakers so especially in Shondi Brown's case I think there's a real chance that he might actually stick uh whether it's with the Lakers or another franchise Smith probably always going to be a long shot just because of his size uh and defensive limitations uh but I still think he'll carve out a nice overseas career for himself but we'll see if uh if Shondi Brown can maybe 
maybe stick on an NBA roster. Yeah, the Lakers definitely have a lot of room. To your point, they uh, traded away quite a few guys for Russell Westbrook. They have, you know, some veterans coming in on minimum deals. But yeah, with their cap situation, I don't think extending a two-way offer to Shondi Brown would be a bad move at all for them. I was going to say, I feel like, am I crazy for thinking that Shawnee Brown is like the perfect like 3 and D? I feel like guys like that are a dime a dozen in the NBA, but just still, I mean, that doesn't mean that they're not like needed. Like you need like one or two of those guys in like every team. Definitely. Yeah. I think the big question for me, if I'm looking at him from an NBA team's perspective, is how much of last year's shooting in Ann Arbor mm-hmm. was real versus his, you know, previous three years at Wake Forest. He never cracked like 33% somewhere in the low 40s last year uh but yeah he really fit that role well for michigan and he's maybe not the quickest guy but yeah great length and very strong so you know i'm sure he can hold his 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 own defensively um and yeah the lakers need bodies so why not shondy yeah he's also the kind of guy that if there's like any doubt like he's such like a such a good attitude you know he'll do anything you ask him to do like He'll 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 you know clean the lockers after practice or whatever like <laughs> you know so hey let's let's not Chris Collins the man already okay that's that's not cool <laughs> we're gonna see a tweet from Woj in February that Shondi Brown was released for the late from the Lakers for for uh, picking up LeBron James full court in practice <laughs> <laughs> I yeah that actually wouldn't be shocking at all Michigan uh, banked a lot during the first day of free agency, which is always uh, a pretty hilarious day to be on Twitter because there is the supposed moratorium where these teams aren't supposed to be negotiating contracts or trades with other teams. And then the moment that they're allowed to do that hits, and the first thing that gets announced is a complicated sign-and-trade with Lonzo Ball. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, these definitely weren't negotiated over the moratorium. Uh, Shams Charania broke the news that Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, signed a four-year, $72 million contract to go back to Dallas, where he has been... He was supposed to be the third banana uh, behind Luka Doncic as the clear number one and Chris Tapps Porzingis as the clear number two, but uh, Porzingis has not been what he was supposed to be. So Hardaway has a lot of times functioned as the number two option in that offense and did very well with that last year uh it was great year to really have it all come together and after signing a very similar contract previous to this one that was looked at as an albatross he signs one that uh locks him into place on a very promising up-and-coming team yeah he is a great role player He's basically a shooter and a scorer, and, you know, he settled into a pretty nice defensive role there, Um, you know, with some of the other players they have on the roster. He's not tasked with guarding the other team's best player, but as you're looking for a way to add complementary pieces to your stars, I think getting a shooting guard who can, you know, go off for 40 on a given night and really connects on threes at a good clip and a high volume, you you could do a lot worse than that type of player. Milwaukee, they just won the the title. Their star player, their second best player, was a is a shooting guard who can kind of create his own offense a little bit. And I guess if you're the Mavericks, you're hoping that Hardaway can kind of grow into that role and provide a Middleton like impact there. Absolutely, and uh, 
I mean, Middleton would be a very high end outcome, but that would also be well surpassing his contract. So, yeah. and even with the floor that he provides, like that four for seventy, I, whatever the deal was that the Knicks gave him that everybody laughed at, he wound up performing to that deal got virtually the same deal and i think it's a pretty safe bet that his shooting is not going to go away his athleticism is not going to go away and he's going to continue to be a, a confident role player next to one of the most sublime young talents in the league yeah he's been a, a pretty effective shooter ever since uh that sophomore year slump uh, at michigan which he bounced back from quite nicely afterwards uh in addition to hardaway the uh the even bigger winner in terms of free agency was Duncan Robinson, who uh, in in the tweet announcing this contract, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN uh, noted that he is host of the Long Shot Pod, which is how you know that this uh, scoop came from Duncan Robinson's agent. Um, he agreed to a five-year, $90 million contract to stick with Miami, and he even has an early termination option after his fourth year should he decide that the 20-ish million that he would make in year five is actually not enough for him and that free agency would be the preferable option. And these words are coming out of my mouth and I can hear them and I'm looking at the tweet on the page and I've seen Duncan Robinson get this far and I've watched him play basketball and he's very good. And this is still just boggling. It's really surreal. He Beeline identified him and, you know, prized his shooting, obviously, but I think he never even really scratched the surface of what he could do at Michigan in terms of Michigan would park him in the corner and he would knock down threes. And that was basically the extent of it. Whereas in Miami, he draws so much attention and I know this word is overused a lot, but gravity to the perimeter, running off screens, uh, dribble handoffs, kind of give and goes with Bam Adebayo, who he's developed a nice chemistry with. And he's so good at freeing himself for open looks, which was something that we never really saw from him at Michigan. Yeah, he has become a different level of player, obviously, in the NBA, and it is pretty remarkable to see him get rewarded with one of the biggest free agent contracts in the league and the biggest ever to be given to an undrafted player. So uh, congrats to Duncan Robinson and Tim Hardaway Jr. for getting the bag because that is what we want to see. <laughs> I just want to say I always believed in Duncan Robinson um, ever since I saw him take a girl home from uh, the undergraduate library um, on a Tuesday. Uh, you might. I don't know if you have to cut this ace, but I. No, I, we're I leaving just, this in. <laughs> <laughs> he's that. That man knows how to score. Is all I'll say. He's a <laughs> number number one bucket getter and uh, woman getter also. <laughs> a, a, a true bucket, Duncan Robinson. Um, <laughs> a problem if it's your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on that note, the other Big Ten players uh, to get selected in the draft. Uh, running it down quickly. Io DeSumo went to the Bulls with the 38th pick. Delano Banton uh, of Nebraska was the fourth Big Ten player off the board following Franz Wagner, DeSumo, and Isaiah Livers. Going to Toronto at number 46, that is probably not the name you expected there. Uh, Luca Garza was selected by the Pistons, number 52. Uh, just before his over-under bet. Uh, that may give you a hint as to where I went on that one. Um, 
At number 55, Maryland's Aaron Wiggins, who made the choice to enter early after a very good pre-draft phase, uh, had his decision justified by getting drafted by Oklahoma City, where uh, given the sheer number of uh, assets they've traded away in exchange for draft picks, he's probably going to have a decent opportunity there to stick on the roster and play. Someone who was not drafted, Michigan State's Aaron Henry. So that 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 was a bit surprising, and something that Alex made sure to write down in the show notes. So, uh, Alex, of that, uh, what was the biggest surprise to you, and uh, which guy do you think kind of has the best chance of uh, working out? So, really, the main reason I wanted to uh, to go quickly through the other Big Ten players who were drafted is that I wanted to laugh about Luca Garza getting drafted by the Pistons. <laughs> um, I know a lot of Pistons fans are like, "No, what are we doing?" But I, the second rounder is like, realistically, less than half of these guys will stick around in the NBA past a cup of coffee. That's just kind of how it works. There's only 450 players in the league. And from one draft class, the most you're maybe going to get is like 50 or 60. Uh, so realistically, who knows how long some of these guys will last. But yeah, Luca Garza coming to the Motor City and hopefully learning the... Uh, the tricks of the trade from Kelly Olenek. That's uh, I don't know how I feel about that vibe for um for the Pistons in their new era. Yeah, I don't. I'll put it this way: for reasons just beyond my bets, I didn't love it happening on the Pistons, but I also like just because you know, by, I would prefer to root against them than root for them, if I'm being honest. But at the same time, with those second round picks, you're kind of just, you know, I mean, you're definitely throwing darts and with Garza you know he's got NBA level scoring ability the question is whether you can get his defense to even just NBA passable or like G League passable and that's that's where the questions come in because a lot of it seems to just be a a lack of foot speed that uh, I don't know if you can fix. Uh, well, I'm sure the Pistons will do everything they can, strength and conditioning-wise, to, to see if they can. And it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. I saw somebody compare him to Boban Marjanovic, which I thought was really funny. I never oh, conceived of them quite. as similar no. players, but he's like a, a Wario Boban. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, like, miniature. <laughs> that, that's Right, big. yeah. Smaller. Less, less funny, smaller. Um, yeah, Io to the Bulls. I did not expect Io to last into the second round, but I guess teams kind of were like, "Hmm, is this? I don't. Is this really a lead guard for us? I'm not sure." Uh, Banton to Toronto, big project. Uh, and then yeah, Aaron Henry. He is going to Philly, Dan. So could you give him the best recommendations on cheesesteaks to get there? <laughs> I, look, I hope. Uh, I God, how do I don't know. What am I supposed to say um, about this? Uh, I um, I think he's going to do great, and I see no reason <laughs> that going to the Philadelphia 76ers would hinder his development. Um, look, I'll, I'll say this. Aaron Henry did not pass up open dunks in crunch time uh, on that in that stretch in which he was legitimately like one of the best players in America, um, where he pulled, uh, pulled MSU on the brink of getting into the tournament. Um, you know they they didn't make they didn't quite make it they they lost a play in game so they were out but he he was very clutch and and we need more of that uh that dog on uh, level player on the uh, the seventy sixers so I like the pickup. I am going to steer into the skid here uh, and say <laughs> that 
This week's Big News Saturday School is the University of Miami, another program that has definitely not squandered a lot of talent left lately. Uh, if you missed it last weekend, the Florida drop was absolutely absurd. I, I think they broke Notre Dame's mark in like two hours. The site was definitely running very slow at moments. I, I may have asked for a sweatshirt from, from Connor that was already sold out at like 1210. Uh, so... If it's not all gone, check out the Florida collection because it's incredible. Miami, I mean, Sebastian the Ibis is is going to be heavily involved, and and that means it's it's probably going to be pretty dope. Uh, meanwhile, Alex and Dan, I, I feel like you guys have been uh, needling our sponsor a little bit online. You know, you know, talking about Indiana football and how maybe you're you're not on board with with Twitter's favorite college football program. And instead of discouraging this, I actually want to encourage it. So by all means, talk your shit. See, talking shit about Indiana football is punching down to a degree that I don't know that I feel comfortable with, but I will let Dan take it away because as a Philly sports fan, I know he's comfortable with that kind of behavior. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, what what is there to do on uh, on Twitter besides punch down? Um I mean, it, look, Indiana's not Twitter's favorite college football pro- program. It's Reddit's favorite college football program. Oh. Um, <laughs> they're, yeah. Oh, uh, they're soy. They're not based. Um, and they're cringe. And uh, I don't know. No, I mean, honestly, I don't have anything really that bad to say about Indiana football. Um, I just I just am not buying the hype. Uh, I think Michael Penix is overrated. Um, and I think say, that say his name finish. one more time. Michael Penis. That's M- Michael Penis Jr. <laughs> Michael Penis Jr. Okay, just just making sure. I just want to see. I want to see all these like cool indie, you know, hip lefty Indiana fans on Twitter. I, I want like their reaction if someone asks Tom Allen if he thinks Joe Biden won the election. <laughs> <laughs> Connor is dropping bombs because he's not on Twitter, so yeah. this, this is a very safe space for him right now. Yeah, there's no, no blowback, and honestly, yeah, I mean, Indiana fans they can talk some shit back, but you know, I think I speak for all of us when I say that a part of me wouldn't hate to see the bottom kind of fall out and we uh, move on from from this regime. Um, so it's like, oh, well, you guys are going to be trash. And we're like, oh, maybe. I, I do think that the funniest thing about Indiana beating Michigan for the first time literally in my life is that it came when I just went like, oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, we had already given you, up. You finally did it. And we were like, yeah, you know. Yeah, we're, we're pulling we, the Indiana. Like, for, for years, uh, Indiana's move would be like, Oh, if they won, it would be like, oh, you lost Indiana, LOL. And then if you beat Indiana, it was like, oh, wow, congratulations, you beat Indiana. And that's what we're doing now. Um, it's like, oh, you beat Michigan, wow. It's a Hoosier. Yeah. And, and especially since they also just went through this with Archie Miller. So they they had that happen with their flagship program. Yeah, that's the subtext of me thinking that Indiana football is a little yeah, cringe is me not liking Indiana basketball. And thankfully Michigan's owned that rivalry quote unquote for, for a little while now, but yeah, I can't just in the back of my mind, whenever I see, you know, Stevie Scott run into the line of scrimmage for two yards. Um, I'm like, Oh, I hate, I hate Indiana basketball. Those candy stripes are terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we 
they could the Indiana football fans they can they can present that way on Twitter, but we we know there's an Indiana basketball fan in there too, and that exactly that's the part that's difficult to get past. They're the inverse Michigan basketball fan, um, whereas except for rooting for Michigan basketball is cool and chill and based. Um, yes. All I'll say is that I I think Home Field Apparel is doing a lot of work, kind of putting that whole fandom on its back in terms of you know being cool. Um, I think you know Home Field Apparel, we love you, we love our we love our big beautiful sponsor, um, and uh, they make great great apparel. Um, but I think they're kind of putting that whole uh, of Indiana Twitter on their backs. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see where where that fandom would be without Home Field Apparel. Oh no! Like I think it's a testament. That this is my compliments to Home Field Apparel. It's a testament to how good they are because, like, Home Field's whole premise is that they dig into like the traditions of your your program to like make the apparel. If they actually found traditions <laughs> for Indiana football, that's that's remarkable. So, <laughs> and they, they printed up a 1979 Indiana football shirt, which uh, I know is a tradition because. Uh, my Indiana 1979 tradition is watching the Anthony Carter catch every time Michigan plays Indiana. And that was that year. <laughs> I went to an Indiana game, and after every first down, uh, the PA announcer would go, first down Hoosiers. And I'm pretty sure that's the only tradition they had. <laughs> well, now that we've uh, attempted to steer out of that skid and failed miserably and might uh, no longer have a sponsor after this, <laughs> Use the promo code Bucket Problem for fifteen percent off your first order from HomeFieldApparel.com. Remember that for Saturday because uh, Miami's drop is is going to be pretty wild. Or or use it right now because uh, the last couple weeks of of Florida and Tennessee, I mean Florida blew Notre Dame out of the water for good reason. It's uh, it is an extremely dope collection of shirts and hoodies and a crew neck. And I can't even get my hands on, on one of the hoodies because it went so fast. So uh, you should check it out before the rest of it goes, too. On that note, let's uh, let's get into some football. I don't know what's happening right now. I, I, th- I think it's mostly uh, it's it's recruiting, right? Uh, and, and and that's going great, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Ace, you're right. The team is now in there. You know, their submarines slowly, slowly sailing towards uh, fall camp. Did submarines sail or, sw- I don't know, whatever the submarines do. Anyway, um, <laughs> but what has happened is Lurk. that I think we can definitively say that the recruiting momentum that was a feature of Michigan's shiny new look staff um, for months has fully dissipated because the like main news of the past week was there were two guys from Texas, uh, Jeremy Patton, a linebacker, and Dylan Bell, a wide receiver, who, despite being three stars, were top targets for Michigan, and like most of the rest of this class, had an offer sheet that was way, way better than their ranking. Both really talented guys, and both seemed like silent commits. Um, Patton, I think, was like pretty much confirmed by Sam Webb to be a silent commit. And then Patton decided to go to Baylor, and I don't know if Dylan Bell has, has committed to Georgia yet, but that looks, it's either happened or it's imminent, um, and that's a bummer, and I have a lot of theories about uh, how hard it is for Michigan to cross the finish line with guys from Texas, but uh, the, Cretan, the Cretan vibes are down, is the main point here. It, it does seem like it's going to be a difficult cycle for Michigan to close on high-level recruits because they will have options where the coaches have stability for more than a season. And that's kind of the position that Michigan has put themselves in. So it's hard to even, 
I would say really judge the new staff on a lot of this because I don't I don't know how many staffs could really recruit well in this situation or at least recruit to the level that Michigan is aspiring to. Yeah, I, I know Dan wants to get in here, but I will just say briefly, I see people already being like, well, the re- recruiting staff's working out great, ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, well, most of these guys are proven recruiters. Like, there's no question mm-hmm. that Sharon Moore can recruit, Steve Plinkscale can recruit. Like, we know that about these guys. Um, so if it's not working, I think that's just a testament to how much worse things would be for Michigan after a 2-4 and four season if they didn't have good recruiters on staff. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of what I was going to say. I mean... Which is sort of hard to like, you're like, oh, well, like, you know, think about how bad it would be if like we didn't, if we didn't have these guys. Now that's kind of like a circular logic, but I do think like, this is going to sound like so like, I don't know, cope of me to say, but I do still like, I do like the strategy that we're going after right now. Um, I think recruiting in a lot of ways is a materialist like game in terms of both just, you know, cash, uh, big bags of cash. Um, but uh, also in terms of like, you know, is your program winning? Is How desirable is your program to go to right now? Like, is it, you know, like at the end of the day, like even when Michigan had kind of a subpar recruiting staff, you know, last year, they were still able to just kind of rip guys away from Michigan State or, uh, you know, other school, the, 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 the handful of guys that Michigan goes in on and just like wins without even really trying um, because it was still Michigan and because like Michigan was a desirable place to, you know, go, they were still winning nine, 10 games a year and they were still, you know, producing draft picks and, uh, and it still was Michigan, you know, they've got all the, the, the amenities and, and, uh, the facilities and all that. And I think that this staff is doing a good job identifying guys and getting in on guys and managing the board in terms of the fact that. I think that they, when they're missing out on guys, they're they're not just staying put. They're not staying. They're not just like staying on guys that they're probably not going to get. They're making sure they have fallback options and they're and they're contacting and like widening their net a lot rather than just set, settling for like New England kids. Um, and I think that that's a good strategy. I just think they're not closing right now because they don't have the you know everyone knows what the deal is with Jim Harbaugh. He's on an incredibly hot seat. And everyone knows that Michigan only, you know, went two and four last year. And it's just it's just not the hottest ticket out there right now. So, you know, I think this is going to end up being a lackluster class unless they can really turn it around at the end. But I do I don't think that's a, a, a recruiting staff problem. This staff has gotten in on a lot of kids. They really don't have any business being in on right now. Um, they just, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's hard to seal that deal when you're selling, you know, clearly Jim Harbaugh is, he may not be around next year. And, and it's, it's very, it's a lot more evident in a place like Michigan than it is at, a, you know, a lot of other schools. So I don't know, I, I guess what's, what's the counterpoint there, Connor? Oh, I don't think it's much a counterpoint. Like I do have a theory about regional recruiting that I want to develop a little bit more. Um, at some point I, I decided to kind of back off of it for this episode, just namely, namely I want Michigan to get in Ohio more, which they are starting to do. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is, you know, we're all kind of into that. I, I agree with Dan. The strategy is good. I only I, I point where I disagree is that I think the class could finish fairly well. Um, you know, I think a lot of it will depend on how the team does on the field. Imagine that. But I'm waiting to see, like, once these guys are actually signed. Because, you know, for instance, Michigan is working on what should be its best cornerback class in a very, very long time. 
Um, I think that, you know, I, I think a lot of other positions are going to shape up better than it seems like right now. Uh, just we're, we're kind of in limbo. I was looking at this last night, like Penn State has a great class right now. Shout out to them. I think it's like number two nationally or something in the composite, but it's a full class. Like they already have 24 guys. I think Michigan has 14 guys. So if you assume Michigan's going to get, I don't know, eight to 11 more guys or more than that, I don't know how many they're going to have, maybe a ton. Um, there's plenty of room for, for good guys to get in there, including uh, a guy with a Vonnegutian name that I'm not going to drop right now because I'm saving it for my vibe of the week segment. <laughs> but um, I just want to say, like, I, I, I don't think we should live and die with every swing and recruiting momentum. I I do admit that right now is pretty is pretty frustrating and it especially sucks to lose out on guys that you thought you were going to get um, just probably because of a combination of geography and the fact that Michigan really sucked last year. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a long way to go until December, so I think the idea of not getting too attached to like where the recruiting class is sitting at any one moment is is probably a good one because uh, there's a lot that could happen between now and then, and uh, also just to just to fact check, sorry, I shouldn't be calling it fact check, just to you know double check what you said earlier uh, Penn State actually has the number one class on the composite right now but they have 24 commits zero five stars 14 four stars 10 three stars that's uh, 10 more commits than the number two team in the rankings Alabama um, you've got Ohio State lurking right behind Alabama because of course they are and just behind them is Notre Dame fun list for us as Michigan fans <laughs> Oh, also, Michigan is, uh, th- this is really kind of the shocker of the recruiting cycle so far, is that Michigan is at 13th, and the next Big Ten team up after them is Rutgers at number 14, and both of them have 15 commits. Rutgers has five four-stars committed to them under Greg Schiano. This might be a thing? Yeah, and uh, Epic Reddit Indiana is number 20 right now. I don't follow recruiting very closely, but I did play a lot of NCAA football growing up, Mm -hmm. and I can tell you that the pitch becomes a lot different when you're winning games. Like, you can have an A-plus visit, but if you lose the game, the best it's going to be is a C-plus. So, yeah, Michigan should keep that in mind. If they want to recruit better, they should uh, try to put together another, you know, 10-3 and type season. I mean... The, a, a new generation is soon going to learn that uh, the NCAA video game is basically real life, especially that one year when they included uh, uh, like cheating in the game, which was great. Yeah, I loved when they were like, hmm, your, your star player got an academic infraction. Do you want to suspend him for three games or not at all? And it's nope. like, hmm, you shouldn't even be offering me a choice because I know how this goes in real life. Yes, but I'm going to roll the dice anyway because you gave me the option. I. Uh, what a what a great game. I'm so excited for them to bring it back and hopefully include a really fantastic name, image, and likeness mode in there. Moving on, we uh, I, I think this segment was inspired by uh, Dan mentioning in our group chat that he was, or possibly even just right out on Maine on Twitter, that uh, he was buying into the hype of a, of a player at a position that really needs somebody to step up early in fall camp. And, you know, there, there may have been, you know, a response to that of a certain level of skepticism. So uh, today in that same chat, 
Dan posted a fall camp bingo. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, I guess should we talk about should we talk about the uh, the impetus of this discussion? <laughs> yes. First, uh, so look, I am a I am the the, the founder of uh, the Mazi the Mazi Party. Um, I don't know why people are getting mad at me about that name. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm i a proud member of the Mozzie party. Um, and I think uh, the, we have, the... We have lost the Hopefield spot forever. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyway, it, look, the, the thing is, I am, I am buying into the uh, Mozzie Smith hype. Um, I'm buying in because... Uh, he's a third-year defensive tackle. He's a big, strong guy, blue-chip recruit. Um, and I don't think it takes much more uh, as a nose tackle in a 3-4 system to just be that than being, you know, big and strong and, and take up space to, you know, be a good nose tackle. And um, I, I so, – so I guess what I'm saying is that I'm preemptively buying that hype. I'm buying that – all of the excuses that you know Don Brown wouldn't let him get to the to a weight he was comfortable at, or that you know Don that Brown one I do like buy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, yeah, there's a too. lot to buy here, and and I'm buying all of it. Uh, you know, hook, line, and sinker. Give it to me. Give me all the slop. I'm a piggy. I love my slop. Oink oink. Um, and I want, <laughs> and I want, to, I want that on the record. I'm 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 a believer. I think he'll be at least he'll be Big Ten honorable mention this year, and. Uh, all Big Ten first team next year. Um, so there you go, Mozzie Smith. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> we're we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot of things during fall camp, um, as is tradition. That you know I will not believe as much as uh, the Mozzie Smith hype. Um, and I figured you know we'd we'd uh, we'd each list off a couple things that you know we think we're gonna hear. Um, and uh, I don't know, just just have have discussion about it. <laughs> Joke. Um, talk back and forth as is uh as is you know what you normally do on podcasts so uh i guess i will start i'll say that um one of the first things we're going to hear uh in fall camp this year is um and let me scroll back up to find this picture <laughs> i just did it. the same thing this is yeah. great radio um we are going to hear oh a classic is um the defense is less predictable and more aggressive um, so yeah, that's, that's going to be, that's going to be a big one, especially cause you know, look, Don Brown, he was more of, I can almost hear Sam Webb saying this right now on the podcast, like <laughs> Don Brown, you know, more of a man to man guy. Like he's, he was set in his ways. He was, he was, he was great at man to man coverage, but you know, he was kind of, he, 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 he was a little bit inflexible. This new defense, Mike McDonald, he's a young, fresh mind. We're mixing up coverages. Quarterbacks are confused, but not. But also, the quarterbacks look great. So it's, yeah, you know, but not okay. in a bad way. Yeah. yeah, not. They look confused, but like they're like more impressed, you know. But like they also are figuring it out and like lighting it up. But they're also confused. Um, and uh, and it's look, it's a lot less predictable. Like we're gonna really surprise some people. We're gonna send some blitzes from places that you know people aren't expecting. And uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 100 buying that. Um, so what about you guys? What's something we're gonna hear? The free space on the pro, like preseason hype bingo is the defense is going to be aggressive, right? Like that's that's a given. <laughs> no, I think we've oh, decided yeah. that the free space is going to be the old Harbaugh's back because yeah. we are one hundred percent guaranteed to hear that and hear that probably several times because that's going to be his whole shtick. 
this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love I'm I'm we're gonna be hearing that from guys who like have not had an on field coaching position in, in college who are like. You know, we're in college when the old Harbaugh was, was coaching at Stanford, Stanford. So poor Matt Weiss and Mike McDonald. Um, I, I, I'm surprised that Dan didn't mention this. We're going to hear the word multiple like approximately 11 trillion times about the defense, which will be <laughs> funny when they settle into like one pattern matching, you know, coverage that they run every single, pretty much every single time or whatever it is they're going to do. Um, <clears throat> we don't know. I, I think that almost every defensive coach that opens their mouth or maybe the offensive ones too are going to mention how the cornerbacks are really bringing it and how uh, Steve Klinkscale is connecting <laughs> with the cornerbacks. The cornerbacks have a chip on their shoulder. They look like a night and day from last year. Uh, people in the cornerbacks room are not paying attention to what the, the people are saying about them on Twitter. Like every possible incarnation of that take will get said, and I can't wait. And that's exactly how you know that that group has massive question marks on it because <laughs> when that group is doing well – Praise was exceptionally hard to come by. Now, that might have been a Mike Zordich thing, but I like to think it's a cornerbacks coach thing. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, one of my, I, I threw out one of mine was uh, one of the new coaches refuses to say a nice thing about anyone and that that coach has the best position group. So that's going to be Mike Hart, I guess. I wonder if Mike Hart is that type of guy. We will find out. Um, and my other one very quickly is that a walk-on linebacker will be discussed as a legitimate threat on the two deep. And then we will get to <laughs> but that might actually be season. True. And it absolutely will not happen. Uh, yeah. This, this year it might, uh, this year walk-on linebacker did go in our preseason draft. Uh, <laughs> Along with walk-on tight end. Adam Sh- um, the, yeah. the honorary Adam Shibley award. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. Another one that I, I love that I, I think Jim Harbaugh himself is going to give us some variations on the, like, Aiden Hutchinson. Now, that's a guy, that's a class guy right there. You wouldn't mind seeing your daughter bring him to dinner. Like, that kind of, like, <laughs> yep, that's a classic. dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think a classic one that we end up seeing a lot, weirdly, is um, freshman receiver impressing early. Um, you always hear rumors of, like, a freshman receiver starting um, like some, it's probably gonna be Andrell Anthony this year. I feel, um, but yeah, that's that's a classic we're gonna get. I, I feel like we're we're also gonna get like ominous silence about the kicking game, and we're just gonna have to live with that deep level of uncertainty because the the <laughs> truth is, the coaches don't even really pay attention during practice except for like when they're doing the scrimmage. So like they're kind of judging on like five or ten kicks at like yeah. the end of practice. So like. Uh, it's it's a mystery to them too, and and we're cool. all just gonna have to wait and find out. And yeah, when yeah. coaches get asked about the kicking game, it's like, oh, that's a good question, actually. Like I have not checked in on that in a while. That that that's when you just get like the reading of names off the roster, yeah, because <laughs> right. because they're just like, oh, well, uh, Steve's here, and uh, and Quinn. Well, Quinn's gone now, actually, but um, you know what I mean. Yeah, an uncertain kicking game is the most college football thing possible. Um, Yeah, as far as things that we're going to hear out of fall camp, I think underperforming defensive linemen is ready to break out is one of those, which I'm glad that Dan has bought (laughs) that one hook, line, and sinker already. Just getting it out of Hold on, wait, 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 wait. I take back my my laugh, my agreement laugh there a second ago. That's real this year. (laughs) 
That's the underperforming defensive lineman you're going to hear about is Donovan Jeter. Mozzie Smith is going to be the real deal. Okay, yeah, in fairness to Dan, there are a number of players that that could apply right, to. Right. So, you know, he's got a few cracks if he wants to take them. Was the transfer from Oregon State medical there? Was that like a forced transfer? I mean, because that is the other option. That no, I don't even know this guy's name. Oh, man, Jordan Whitley. Tackle right behind Jordan Smith. Whitley. I don't think he was medically retired there. I think he's just a weird journeyman guy. What were you going to say, Dan? Yeah, I think he was like overweight, but um, didn't like I didn't play, but not necessarily medical. Look, it's bleak. That's that's it's, <laughs> everybody not... getting inspired by this. He was hurt. Hey, he was hurt last year. In fairness to him, but, yeah, but, yeah. Look, he's got he's got a lot of potential. Okay, so look, former running, but he was a running back in high school. That's yeah, a classic like thing you like to hear about defensive tackles. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that you like to see in the highlights. Come on, let's get some right. Of that. Exactly. He was a running back in high school, and then he found all of the fast food places on campus. And <laughs> yeah. One thing came, and look, turned we to can another. relate. We can all relate. This has happened yeah, to all look, of us. Yeah. We've all been the, there. The West Quad Wendy's probably was responsible for 20 pounds for me, at least, on its own. <laughs> I'm looking really forward to, like, to put those in dorms. I'm always excited to hear coaches use some like archaic metaphor that apparently means something to coaches but doesn't mean anything to us. Because recently with this recruit, Connor Jones, this like guard recruit from Colorado, we've heard he puts water in the harbor. I don't I don't know what that means. But like no we're clue. gonna hear that yeah, we're gonna hear like Jess Spate is like, you know, slinging the hogs over his back and going to market. Like as if as if that's a meaningful phrase. Like I guess it's a compliment and we're gonna have to nod along to it. That's uh that Does... always gets me. Does puts water in the harbor mean that he's like a ship that displaces a lot of water and like splashes? What would that people? even? I, what would I it even be in reference to you? You don't put water in a harbor. It, the harbor <laughs> right. is part of like that's why I was trying sea, to. I shouldn't right? try to yeah. think out loud because is, is, I'm going to just like uh, <laughs> I'm going to get deeper into this and I'm not going to be able to climb yeah. back out. What does that even mean? It's that's like does it, where could the origin of that sea saying even be from? I mean, like, there's no man-made harbors. I'm not even kidding. We we need to move on before my brain just snaps. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> <laughs> Speaking of brain snapping, uh, I have Dan Valari has a wildcat package in here because not only oh, yeah. is that so, so distinctly possible, Harbaugh brought it up at Big Ten Media Days. Like, it's it's out there. He Like, we, we had the Hazcat, and we've had it for a while, but... Uh, it sounds like he might want to add a, a, a throwing element to it, and he thinks that Big Dan Valari is going to do that. <laughs> There's a 100% chance Michigan burns a couple plays this year trying something bizarre with Dan Valari. Like, and like do you remember the um, <laughs> the plays where they had McCaffrey line up at wide receiver with Shea Patterson? It's going to be oh something like that. Oh, my God. I, I will never forget those plays, in fact. <laughs> that was so much motion for so little reason. <laughs> I remember I was at that first um, – um, I went to that game against Middle Tennessee State, and like it was the offense was like a little bit disjointed, but like I was like, look, they're working some kinks out, like, and it did like the offense looked good in certain like stretches, but then they broke that play out, and I'm like, all right, we might have real problems. Like what they they like motion? It was like a, a fake sweep to the backup quarterback that they then threw a screen pass to him. I was I was baffled. I've never seen like a. It's that's one of those play designs you see in Madden that you're like, yeah, no, it's obviously not going to work. <laughs> yeah, I actually a good prop bet to, if you want to make some money, uh, find someone who will take the bet that Michigan will run a 
while a play any play with Dan Valari under center and we'll have to call a timeout because that is like <laughs> that that is nothing more Michigan football than that. <laughs> well, you're going to have to define under center because like he's probably going to be in the gun. Oh, sorry. This is I just very meant a direct snap situation. Yes. Yeah, I meant to say just in the backfield. I meant quarterback, yeah. Yeah, we're still hashing out the details of the bucket problem sports be- uh, sports book with all of our esoteric prop bets and yeah, Dan <laughs> Valari getting a snap from from the shotgun is one of them. Uh, Mozzie Smith becoming second team All Big Ten. You can get great odds on that one <laughs> I mean, right now. That's we, happening. We got to so. get advice from a certain unnamed media empire about uh, how to combine you know covering sports with also getting people to bet on them. <laughs> yeah um we uh the wild I, I would i would put pretty like even odds on uh the wild paisan package making a <laughs> appearance i'm glad dan called it that because wow. he has a pass yeah to be fair i am <laughs> italian i'm allowed to pa- i don't think pa- paisan isn't a slur i don't know like, it just look i could say i could say italian slurs if you guys want me to. If that, if that would help no. the podcast bro i can already start sponsoring enough times during this yeah, seriously we we are <laughs> flirting with danger on a very very just minute by minute basis here um yeah. i i will say by like my last big hope for media day quotes is we get some sort of passive aggressive quote from a defensive coach or Harbaugh about how Daxton Hill looks coached. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Because it, it's, it's going to be true. He's, it, he's going to look like he's being coached as, as opposed to not. And it's, it's amazing how, uh, you know, you can notice these things and, and how they, they're really important. Can you tell we're still upset about not having a freaking safeties coach last year? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it was uh, good drills. Like, was he just like running like like sprints, like like running suicides the entire time? I don't know. Anyway, let's, let's move on. <laughs> it wasn't practicing covered two. That's for dang sure. Yeah. <laughs> Do we have any other ones before we uh, mercifully add this this? speculation on what we're going to hear and not necessarily believe from fall camp because i'm dying here i I do think that we haven't one of us needs to say like we're definitely going to hear many 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 variations on Cade mcnamara is a gamer uh (laughs) mcnamara is tough and he's a leader which are all code words for does not have an nfl arm uh is not Mm -hmm. very fast (laughs) yeah look look totally overwhelmed against penn state who wasn't even very good um but we still have faith because you know Rutgers and the post game speech, which but, really but to be clear, find. like to be again to be totally clear, like we I will a deep deep down I will kind of believe every single word they say. So you know, look, it's, it's what we do. As fans. yeah, we're we're acting cynical right now, but like there will be a piece of me that uh, that does buy it. Yeah, this is the time for good vibes. I mean, we have plenty of time potentially. <laughs> yeah, just to... listen to the last thirty minutes of this podcast. <laughs> We have plenty of time to potentially complain about the team. Um, But right now, yeah, you can look at things in rose-colored glasses and maybe the defense will be good. Maybe Cade will lead us to another, you know, New Year's Day type bowl game. Who knows? So after all that, buy it all. Why not? Life's too short. And and on that note, let's do some vibes of the week. Connor, I know you have one, so I'm throwing it straight to you. Yeah, so my vibe of the week is that uh, 
Steve Klingscale's putting in some work. Uh, Michigan already has a killer cornerbacks class. They want to add one more guy. And a name that popped up out of nowhere is a top 250 four-star guy out of California with the Vonnegutian name, and I swear I'm not making this up, Ephesians Prysock is taking an official visit to Michigan soon. Uh, apparently they have a real shot at him. Um, and like whether or not he comes to Michigan, the existence of a person with that name who is good at football and is interested in Michigan cannot be anything other than a good vibe. I, I got curious because Ephesians obviously biblical. But Prysock, I, you know, I'm no biblical scholar, but it did not strike me as biblical. And uh, according to Google, the surname Prysock is a topographic surname, which was given to a person who resided near a physical feature such as a hill, stream, church, or type of tree. That's a pretty wide range of things. <laughs> I was going to say, a church or a tree, okay. A person who resided near a physical feature. It might as well have just ended at that, at that part of the sentence. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's where that name comes from, in, in case anybody was curious. I don't know if we've lost everybody by now, uh, but here we are. Uh, Dan, what is your vibe of the week? Uh, my vibe of the week is uh, is football dreams. Um, so, I don't know. I, am, I, am I the only one uh, that gets that gets the recurring you know football dreams leading up to the season? No, Anyone not at else? all. Uh, they're most they're mostly nightmares but yeah okay. uh, keep going <laughs> yeah no i so i get recurring football dreams that are very like very specific um about the upcoming season um i think last year i think in tw- the leading up to the 2019 season i got i had a uh, a dream that we were specifically 35th in S&P plus defensive <laughs> rushing efficiency um, which was like you a need bad to log fo- off every once in a while. I know, <laughs> I know, it's really bad. Um, but yeah, so I've I've started having my football dreams again. Um, I had one that we were blown out. By, no, lost to Wisconsin, or oh god, no, lost to Washington in, in on like a goal line stand, and then and then lost to Rutgers or like was blown out by Rutgers. But then recent, so those are both you know bad vibe dreams. But then I did, recently had a football dream that uh, we we beat Michigan State by like 13 and then we're, we're leading against Ohio State at half. Um, so, you know, I would <laughs> Your say, brain I would couldn't say, even give you the satisfaction of the no, whole No, dude, literally. That is, that is how dark it is. Like, <laughs> Michigan fandom is such a cruel tease. That's amazing. Yeah. Because it's like, and, and and the dream ended at halftime. Like that's like that's like the most like it would it would get. Be able, I don't get even me. know if we can credit you with a good vibe here, despite the like. <laughs> oh no, that's this. This is there. a look. The entire the idea of just having football dreams in general is is a bad vibe, um, <laughs> or at least a very weird one. But <laughs> but uh, the the vibes themselves were ambiguous at best. So I would say. You know, mixed mixed vibes here. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll give you mixed. It's it's since there are four of us, that at least guarantees that we won't have a tie. Uh, nobody, Alex, you're not allowed to be uh, ambiguous with your choice here. Yes, what do you? See, have? I was I was gonna be amb- amb- Dang it, Alex! Ambiguous or at least ambivalent. Um, my vibe of the week is that I decided to move out of the Grand Castle, a monstrous uh... apartment building that served a purpose for me and uh was a poetic muse at least for a little bit but that chapter of my life will be ending i've I've said it on twitter i've said it on instagram and now i'm saying it on the bucket problem is that uh 
the reign of the grand villain at the grand castle is soon to be no more. Well, I'm bummed out. I think we're calling that a bad vibe. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I'm still going to continue writing about the castle and I, various esoteric West Michigan topics. Like I've put so much brain power into articulating a theory of Dutch America that I just got to blurt it all out at some point. But yeah, you can stay tuned for that. But in terms of living in a giant, potentially flawed, uh, concrete castle that's it's gonna be a no for me fam it's it's a it's also a big <laughs> yikes so we're gonna you be know. moving on here once the year lease is over what's great about this is that uh like we all were very along for the bit obviously but we all of us know that like this is definitely a very positive uh step in alex's life but we are still going to mourn the the loss of the Grand Castle as uh, a place where one of us resided. <laughs> you know, the end of the castle era—it's yeah, kind of a kind of a melancholy thing. But I can tr- I can say truly and honestly that I did not regret choosing to move here, and that I haven't disliked it. So that's better than I expected, frankly, because I thought this was going to break my brain beyond a possible repair, and maybe it has, but I just haven't noticed. As far as I can tell, though, things are. Uh, Things are going okay, so that's that's a good vibe. I don't know. Okay. You can say that it's a bad vibe that I'm moving out of the castle. You are more than welcome to come visit the castle before I do. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that that invitation goes to. out to any listeners of the podcast. I'll tell you my apartment number. <laughs> yeah, um, if, if you want to meet some extremely minor internet celebrities, come. To, we're, we're all going to be hanging out at the castle. You're welcome to come visit Alex. Uh... All right, I I don't know what the vibe count is at now because I don't know where we landed on this vote. So I'm going to count Alex as good so we know it could come out on the good end of things because it really is earnestly a good vibe for Alex uh, to be moving on from the castle because uh, it, it might fall down. Um, my, my vibe is unequivocally good. It was uh, being on Instagram during the NBA draft and looking at Mo Wagner's Instagram stories as he was watching it from his hotel room in Tokyo, where he is just finished participating in the Olympics for Germany um, and scoring nine points in, I believe, their quarterfinal uh, loss. But, you know, Mo showed out, but he uh, clearly was uh, having a difficult time watching such a, a huge day for a younger brother that he is very close to and not being able to be there to share with him. Franz was holding uh, one of those like cardboard head on a sticks that had Mo's face on it. Um, Mo was posting like childhood pictures of them and more recent photos and then posting a picture of him FaceTiming with Franz. And it was just like, it was genuinely heartwarming. And as somebody, I, I mean, this week, um, I got to see my brother for the first time in a few months. Uh, he's hasn't been living here because of a job situation, and uh, it's the first time we haven't lived in the same place. So uh, that uh, it was like it was a good week to to get the uh, brotherly love vibes going. So that that was an unequivocal good for me, and we are going to end on good vibes for this week. Um, we'll call it three zero and one. Instead of two one and one, because uh, Dan, Dan, did you come out as uh, as tied 
you came out as tied, right? Yeah, no, that's a, that's, okay. I, I, I mean, it can't be positive. <laughs> no, it it can't when you you have football dreams that involve losing to Rutgers. It it cannot be entirely positive. Uh, on <laughs> on that note, I I transition to every new segment by saying that I need to switch it up a little bit. But on that note, it is appropriate for this. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts still. That bit is dead. Now the bit is that we can't get Google Podcasts to keep the feed updated correctly. So uh, working on it again. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening. This was episode six. We are going to be coming back to you pretty soon with a bonus episode this week with a very special guest. Uh, that'll just be me and the guest um, talking direction of the program and uh, and some other stuff from a, a kind of big picture view. So um, and and also talking realignment, because that has been a subject that obviously has been uh, very big and that we haven't really touched on. And that was intentional because. We have been saving this guest. So please follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to thebucketproblem.com. Subscribe to the newsletter and the pod. Rate, review us nicely, please. Um, use the promo code BUCKETPROBLEM at homefieldapparel.com for 15% off your first order. Thank you for listening. Have a good week.